Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Once again, we thank you for joining us here on Faith in Your Recovery. We're thankful you've taken time out of your busy schedule to be with us, and we're not going to waste that time. We're going to give you a story that we believe will bring help. It's going to provide hope. And if you choose, it can even bring change and a brighter future, a better life in the name of Brianna's Hope. Again, thanks for joining us. Our guest today, Timothy Bunch. Welcome, Timothy. Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, we look forward to hearing your story, a little bit of the the struggle, a lot of the victory, and everything in between. If we miss something, you throw it in there, okay? Uh, You ask me, and I'll tell you. (laughs) All right. That's honest enough. Here at Faith in Your Recovery, we we try to focus on all things recovery. We want you to be raw. We want you to be real. We want you to be you. All right. And uh, we look forward to that. So go ahead and tell us where you are in life today. Tell the folks where you live. Tell them any hobbies or interests that you have, and we'll go from there. All right. Well, um, I live in Rushville, small rural community in Rush County. Um, I had a I'm married, got four kids with my wife. I work as a certified addictions peer recovery coach at the Connection Cafe. It's in Fayette County, Connorsville. I don't know, for, for fun today, I like just I get involved with my son's sports games, like going to baseball games, going to basketball games, things like that. Uh, I got three daughters, and they're they're wild. So, How yeah. old are your kids? Uh, let's see, eight, nine. 12 and 13. <laughs> then I got one older one that's 17. Okay. Okay. So obviously that's going to take a bunch of your time when you dedicate and yeah. commit to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I try to find some time for me, but it's hard sometimes. So. Yeah. But I, I mean, I enjoy, you know, listening to music. Uh, I still play like in a men's league basketball. I ain't as good as what I used to be. But, uh, I guess that's old age catching up. It can happen. What kind of music are you into the most? I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, easy going when it comes to that. I'll listen to about anything. I'll give it a shot. You know, I don't really have a certain genre that I stick with. I'll, All right. Like yesterday, me and, me and my coworker was, well, it was Wednesday. Me and my coworker was riding around and. I told her it was '70s rock day, so that's what that's what we were listening to. <laughs> so you talked about uh, you work in that Fayette County area. I just spoke with Frank Oakman this morning oh, as yeah. I was coming yeah. here. Pastor from Frank's old, great. Yeah, Pastor Frank, he's there. Is it Connorsville first? Is that the First United Methodist? United is, Methodist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the Brianna Soap at the Connection Cafe actually sun, yeah. or Saturday mornings. Yes, and we talked about the possibility of some other things. So uh, it's nice to have that connection. And, uh, yeah, we'll not tell the world everything we know about Frank. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, we'll keep some of that secret. (laughs) All right. You've told us where you are today, what some of your interests are about. Go ahead and share with us who Timothy was at a young age. What were your, you know, 
What was your upbringing like? What was your, how'd your family unit look? How did it work? Share that with us. I mean, um, growing up, like, uh, we come from a kind of a lower class family. Um, mom and dad, they, you know, they, they put food on the table and paid the bills and such. But, you know, we, uh, I grew up in a trailer park and, um, I remember, like, when we moved out of that trailer park and we got, like, a two-bedroom house. Like, I thought, you know, we hit it big. And, Castle. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Um, growing up, like, I was I was always a little smaller than the other kids in the class. So I was kind of picked on with, you know, that ordeal. Uh, I was very active in sports. So, I used my aggression and stuff uh, to overcome my, my size. So, um, yeah, it's, I, know, I look back on it, man, and I'm just. I'm grateful for the little things in life that, you know, brought me up. Uh, you know, mom and mom and dad, they, they divorced at a young age. I got a half-sister that lived with us, and she moved out, I don't know, fairly young, when, when I was fairly young. And uh, they divorced around, like, age of eight or something, and I uh, I chose to live with my father because mom got with another guy and moved out of county. And so I, I chose to live with him because I didn't want to, you know, switch up schools or anything. Sure. My dad, uh, he uh, he got cancer, and it, it took him fairly quickly, Randy. And I think I was twelve when that happened. That and, had to be tough. Yeah, it, it was tough. You know that that's who I looked up to. It was like my best friend, sure. and so like when the the cancer took him, like I was like my mom and her and her new husband had moved into Rush County in Milroy, and so I didn't like have to switch schools or nothing. So it made the transition a little easy. You know, it was around that time was when I, you know, I started the drinking and smoking weed and taking some pills and stuff. So that's when I first started dabbling and things like that. How did that come about? How? What was the availability? How were you able to get your hands on uh, the drinking the, and the drugs? I mean, it, living in Milroy, I mean, I knew some of the older guys that, you know, were hanging out there. And they just, I mean, it was, it was, it was there. They were doing it. And I said, oh. And it like. You know, dealing with my dad's death, like, I wasn't ever one to, like, go talk to a therapist or a counselor. I didn't even really, like, share my emotions with my mom. So, like, my way of dealing with it was, well, I'm going to do what, you know, the older guys are doing and try to suppress my feelings that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was alcohol your first drug of choice or at least your first drug I of think use? so. I, I, now, I look back, I think— um I'm pretty sure that I I drank like a six pack like my first time drinking and it wiped me out and you're 12 13 years yeah. old yes yeah I know I woke up in the bathroom one time and I was like man how did I get here yeah you know? yeah yeah so I, I mean I, I now that you asked that I think that was the first experiment okay and then okay. it came you know some muscle relaxers and you know some marijuana and so I just started dabbling a little more as it went on how do do you recall at all how you felt emotionally during that time? Was it numbing the pain at that point? It made at me, least in your own mind. Yeah, it it at least made me forget about things. Okay, you know, uh, I wasn't I wasn't sad anymore. I mean, it did like it was kind of helping like make me happy again, and 
at least for the time for frame the time that you being. had the buzz, yeah. right? Yep. And once the buzz was over, the hurt and pain was still there. So we want to make sure we don't promote the no, thought. No, absolutely. But be honest about it. Yes, yeah. yes. So, okay. Yeah, that's that's it. It's a temporary fix. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid on a, yeah. on a major you know, wound, the, right? The problem at hand is still there when, you know, the buzz or whatever goes away. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so you've got the alcohol, you get into some of those muscle relaxants, you mentioned marijuana there. How'd the marijuana thing work? Tell us about your usage. How long were you into that? Oh, man. I, <laughs> that was probably, like, my favorite thing to do. Like, I continued that, you know, for another 20 years, 20-some years, yeah. Okay, did that lead to heavier drugs? Absolutely. And, um, like, when I was going through, like, junior high and high school, like, I was kind of gradually fading away from the things that I loved as a kid, like being involved in basketball and football. And I started, you know, getting more into other things. So it took that love away. And, I mean, I, I think by the time I was 18, when I graduated, like, Pretty sure I had tried about every drug that was out there, whether you know meth, heroin, all of it. Um, and I was a young, I mean, a young adult, you know, and I'd already done all these things. So, yeah, and that's, I mean, it started with the weed and the alcohol, and it led to everything else. Was it pretty heavy usage? Was it consistent, or was it just now and then? Was it recreational, yeah, it was like, or more dependent upon the drug? I think like. Once I got into the pain pills, it was more dependent upon that, on the opiates, uh, like the meth and things like that. Um, like that was kind of like a weekend thing, but it gradually, I mean, it, it, it got worse as I, you know, I kept doing it. Okay, you say that's up to kind of the age of 18, you know, the ending of your high school years. Yeah. Take us forward from there, Timothy, what it was, life was like, you know, struggles, other challenges. Well, there's the fun. I mean, I was talking about my mom and my dad that passed away. Yes. Uh, when, I, when I was 20 or 21, mom shared with me that he adopted me when I was born, and I, I did not know about that. So I, was, I was under the assumption that was my father, my biological, biological father. Yeah, and she told me, you, you find out for some reason, she, she thought it was a you know good idea to tell me, like, hey, you know, he, he adopted you. He ain't your biological father. There's this other guy out there. So I'm like, yeah, that's kind of hurtful. Like, what, why would you even tell me that? But, uh, I mean, I, I know who, like, my biological father is, but, you know, I don't have any interest to, you know, You've never made a connection. We have, but it's just it didn't work out. And I kind of felt, you know, different about it because I know who my dad was. He's the one that raised me and the one that, you know, you know, passed away. So that just drove me even further into my addiction. Um, Mom telling me that. And it's like, you know, everybody knew growing up but me, you know. And so that, that just made me feel some kind of way that, you know, might as well just keep keep doing what I'm doing and I ended up getting with this one girl and we had our uh, child together now this this child man she's uh she's 17 today and uh, she lives in Greenfield I've never she's never been to my house like I, I don't have any visitation rights with her 
you know, I, I support her monetarily, but that's that's about where it ends. You know, do you and, have any kind of communication with her? That occasional phone call or it's, text, email, it's tough, man. Because I mean, she's seventeen, and you know, thirteen years of her life, I really wasn't there. And you know, my, you know, my substance use, you know, took over, and just I don't know. I, I keep I keep trying to mend that relationship with her today, and. You know, she's 17, so she's got a wall built up, and I get that. You know, she's got a resentment built towards me, so I'll just uh, – she tells me to leave her alone, quit messing with her, so I'll just give her space, and hopefully, you know, got to one day, you know, bring that relationship to, you know, it's be gonna, repaired. It's going to require his timing and yeah, Steve Bowers, and that, isn't it? It's tough sometimes, you know, being patient and things like that and just putting it all in his hands. And Absolutely. So what's your daughter's name? Her name's Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. I have a niece named Chloe. I yeah. like that name. She's a sweetheart. Uh, so um, right now, let's let's just believe for a moment that Chloe's listening to this. What would you like to tell her? I don't know. I've, I've told her I'm sorry many a times. I think at some point people get tired of hearing the word sorry. Um, it's really just, you know, dad, dad does love you. Maybe I didn't do the best job of showing it of you growing up. But, you know, if you're listening, just know I do love you. I do care. And, I, you know, I pray to God one day that we can have a relationship together. I can't speak for her, and I wouldn't try, but maybe there's that thought in her mind. I want to see him clean a little while longer to see if this is really going to work before yeah. I make myself vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and then it's tough on her knowing that, I have four other children with my wife, and they get the dad side of me, and she didn't get that. We had a, well, it was Jolene. Uh, she's one of our previous episodes on here, and she talked about the conflict between her and her oldest daughter for that very reason. The oldest daughter believed that her younger brother got the good side of mom, and she had to deal with that tough side. So yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I hear what she's saying as well. And I'm sure you do, and uh, regrets won't change it, but the regrets are there, and maybe you'll get that fresh opportunity again one of these times. We'll hope and pray for that. And yeah, I put it, like you said, I'll, I'll put it in God's hands. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, here we are. Uh Tell us then, go ahead with, you know, what happened after you found out that you had been adopted? Um, like I said, like that's when the, the methamphetamine use and things like that got pretty, pretty bad. That's when it all started. Was it more of numbing the pain and the hurt? It was just, I mean, I, I love the way it made me feel. I okay. love the euphoria from it. So uh, and that's what, you know, the people I hung out with, that's what we were doing and I ended up getting like two OWIs back to back, and this is really the only time I ever been in trouble is when I was like twenty two, twenty three, and I'm be thirty eight next month. So like getting in trouble with the law really ain't a big part of my story, but I got those two OWIs, and that was just being high and driving. It wasn't even being drunk and driving. An OWI is operating intoxicated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just for anybody out there who may yep. not know. So that was like warrant for my blood and urine. So that's what, you know, brought up the drugs in my system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
like I didn't have a license for the next like 13 years because I didn't want to take that risk getting getting a third one and you know going to prison over it. So I just I ain't gonna get them back. So yep. what age range was that when you were without your license? Let's see, I just got them back like three years ago. So 35 from like 22 to 35. So it, yeah, that sounds about right. 30, those are 13 pretty, years. Uh, those are pretty quality years to be without a license. Yeah, and that in between that time, like I got with my wife now, you know, and we had our four children pretty consecutively, you know, uh, they're listening. Those are those are my kids, you know. I love them. Uh, Journey, Janelle, Jevin, and Jaylee. So they all start with J's. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then we have three cats, and they all start with J's as well. <laughs> Is there a reason why you went with the J's? Oh, you oh, just the, chose to. Yeah, we, we named the first one, uh, our 13-year-old. Her name's Jaylee. We named her, and then we was like, you know what? Let's just stick with the J theme. Okay. Okay. And it carried over into our cats as well. So, <laughs> oh, that's neat. It's nothing wrong with that. Uh, have that theme. So, go ahead and lead us forward, then. Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, my wife, uh, we've been married, be two years in September. We've been together like twelve years, and she'll tell you straight up, like she didn't, she didn't like me for, you know, ten of those years or so. Like you know, while I was. Uh, but she she's a saint, Randy. Like she she stuck with me. Uh, she knew that something inside of me was good, you know. And I just had a problem. And did like, she come from any kind of addiction back? Man, she like she might have like you know had some drinking or smoking weed, things like that. But once the kids were born, she was able to quit all that. She was able to control it. Yeah, before she it was, got control of her. Yeah, she was able to quit all that, and it was it wasn't the problem with okay. her. Okay. To me, it was. Yeah. You know, and even with like the birth of the kids, like things like that. Um, I mean, I couldn't even like I had to get high in order to like go do something with my children. Like I just didn't have that. I don't know motivation, and I put them through a lot, Randy. And um, like you know, I would leave, and she would you know be doing all the responsibilities, and she uh she works as a nurse at the hospital in Rushville. And, you know, she was putting all the money on the table and I'm just out there, you know, supplying and supporting my own habit and doing what I was doing. And, you know, for some, like I said, for some reason, like she stuck it out with me and I ended up like we had a pretty nice apartment. It was like four bedroom, two bath. And it finally caught up to me. You know, I got us, I got us evicted out of that apartment. Somebody said they suspected, like, you know, there was drug use being t- going on there. And this is wild, too. A lot of people don't even heard of this. They came in and um, said they were doing, like, monthly inspections. And they, they took my furnace filter out. And they sent that furnace filter off. And it came back positive for methamphetamines. And that was, you know, calls for immediate eviction. So that's one of my biggest... Uh, you know, regret, embarrassing moments. Because uh, not only then was, like, my actions not affecting me, they affected my wife and my children. You know, and they got they, they got the consequences of all yes. my wrongdoings. So, yes, you know, they, they moved in with her uh, father at the time, and that's when I uh, was homeless. And I remember, on, can I tell you how I came across the Better Life Marina Hope? Please do. All right. Um well, I was I was homeless and, and I was wearing out my welcome, you know, friend's house and then I go to the next place and they had the the Rush County Fair 
I think it was Mary Jane Apple. She's uh, on Team Hope with us there in Rushville. Sweetheart. Yeah, Mary Jane's awesome. She's like a godsend to me. They had a booth set up there at the fair, and I was just, you know, I was going through, and I think I'd, you know, I'd been up for a few days, and something just compelled me to stop and see what this was about. And uh, Mary Jane seen me, and, and now this is at a point, you know, where I just got us evicted out of our apartment, and everybody's pretty upset with me, you know. And Mary Jane, I didn't even know this lady, and she t- she hugged me, and she said, you know what, I, I love you. And she's like, I believe in you. She's like, we, we have this meeting on Wednesday nights. Just come down and see me. Come see what it's about. And I made that promise something. God, I mean, I guess it was a God thing. Like I said, I told her, I said, I'll be there. I said, I, I promise you, I'll be there. And that's why uh, that group, uh, her bringing us open Wednesday nights, I mean, I consider that that's my home group. You know, I've, I haven't stopped going since. Um, I showed up that first time and, uh, I mean, I'll admit I, I wasn't sober, and it didn't matter. You know, they hugged me. They told me they loved me. Like, hey, is there anything we can do for you? Like, do you need anything? You know, we're here for you. We, we support you, you know, and just sit down, have a meal. Have you ate today? And things like that, you know. So that that really that really touched my heart, man, because I wasn't hearing too many people say they loved me at that time. So. You weren't getting pounded. You weren't getting judged. You were getting welcomed. Absolutely, and that's that's uh, that made me feel real good. That, and that's like you know the shame, the stigma. Like man, sometimes we we just want to see hear somebody say that we love them, and you know they they believe in us. You know when we can't love ourselves, and somebody else loves us before we can. That goes a lo- excuse me. That goes a long way. Oh yeah, doesn't it? yeah. And like you know, m- my wife, uh, she'd given up on me at that point, and she'll tell you like you know there wasn't nothing else I can do but pray. You know, I just had to let him figure it out himself. So. Like, you know, I was homeless for, you know, a few months and uh, ended up, uh, my journey ended up underneath the bridge and that's where I was staying for a few weeks. And I mean. And literally, you mean under the bridge, yeah. not symbolically, but literally. Uh, literally. You under, lived yeah, I, I was living under the bridge. You know, I'd run streets at, you know, day and. Where was this? What town? In Rushville. We're talking Rushville, yeah. folks, and it's not a major metropolis. No, you, you head out on three, like you're going towards Greensburg or Brookville, and that's that bridge right there. Sometimes we think that's only in the big city. That's only in the metropolis of some larger, uh, you know, yeah, cause there's location. No, there's no, like, homeless shelter or anything here, so. Yeah. I didn't really. The only thing I, became that that's for the, you. That's the only thing I could think of, you know, and and I was still, you know, caught up in you know, the, the web of my, you know, substance use. And they had uh, mentioned to me uh, at the Brianna Soap, um, you know, we we got the funds where we can, you know, send people to treatment if that's something you're ever interested in. You know, they didn't force it upon me. They just asked me, like, hey, if you're ever interested, we got this. I remember, like, one night under the bridge, man, it was about like it is outside right now. Cold, cold rainy. Wet. Yeah, yeah, it was cold and raining and man, I was freezing. It was night. And you know, I had I had, you know, uh, some substances in my pocket and I just I don't know what what came over me that night, but it was like, man, you know, like I can't continue living like this. I got five kids and here their dad is, you know, sleeping under a bridge, like something's gotta give. 
And, you know, I just, I turned it all over to God that night. Randy, they talk about that spiritual awakening and, that, you know, coming of. And, man, it, it was, it was, I mean, it kind of gives me goosebumps talking about it. Like, like something, you know, just came over me and I prayed and I wasn't really, wasn't really the praying type. And I just prayed like, God, if you can give me the strength and courage to, you know, get through this, man, I'll put in the work. You just give me the courage. And sure enough, I threw what drugs I had in my pocket right there in the river. And I woke up that next day and I, mean, I cried all night. I was so emotional. And I woke up that next day and I, I gave, uh, you know, Mary Jane and Jenny and Kay down bringing us up. I gave them all a call and was like, hey, you guys mentioned that treatment thing. Like, let's try this out. You know, and I, I didn't want to sleep under that bridge no more. I knew if I go to this place, I was going to have a bed waiting on me. Like they were going to feed me. And who knows, I might be able to, you know, fix my life while I'm at it. So I called up there, uh, Harbor Light. Harbor yeah. Lights, remember the Salvation Army in Indianapolis, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, it gets, some people give it a bad rep. I love that place. I really did. It, but um, A lot of it's got to do with your attitude absolutely. going in. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it'll work if you work it. Let's just, there you go. But uh, I called up there and they was like, you know, we, uh, we're full right now. You know, um, we can get you a bed in like five days. And I was like, man, I ain't got five days. Like, lady, I'm sleeping under a bridge, so I'm going to figure, I got to figure something else out until then. And luckily, like, there in Connorsville at the time, in the third floor of their hospital, they had a um, a detox unit. It's not there anymore. I remember that. Uh, North Star Recovery, yes. I think it was called. Yes. Um, so I, I went to there and got there that night, and they said they were full. Well, I had, like, two trash bags of clothes. That's what my, you know, my existence had amounted to. That's all my belongings I had. And I remember I, I sat down on them clothes and I was sitting on them. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I can't go anywhere. Like, this is the end of the road for me. Like, I will sit here until you find something for me. I said, I've, you know, I've already been told, put on the waiting list. So, and I sat there for like two hours and this lady finally walked back by and she was like, you're still here? I was like, I told you I'm not going anywhere. And she's like, I'm going to find something for you. So, you know, bless her heart, she she found me something. And, you know, I detoxed there for five days, got out, went straight to Harbor Light, you know, did the detox there as well. I was in bad shape. When I, when I arrived at Harbor Lights and I did my intake, Randy, I was 118 pounds. You know, that's that's terrible. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's skin and bone. Yeah, I'm like 210 today. So <laughs> that's the comparison, yeah. right? Yeah, and you were about half your size then, <laughs> right? <laughs> Two of me now. <laughs> but um, I remember um, I just like I kept just putting it in God's hands, you know. And I went through that detox, and then you know the easy route would have been, you know, pack up and go home. I didn't want to go the easy route. I want to go the hard route. Like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people doubted me. A lot of people said, you know, he ain't going to last. He'll just be right back doing the same thing. Sure. And I'm the type of person where I use that as like motivation. That adds fuel to the fire to me. Okay. If you tell me I can't do something, watch. I'm going to show you. First thing you're going to do. Yeah. So I, I stayed for the residential treatment. 
I think it's a little different now, but back then it was just uh, 14 days. Yes, two weeks. Um, so I did that, and then, I mean, I was still homeless. So I really didn't have anything to come back home to at the time, so I I transitioned on into the transitional housing. Okay. Uh, got me a job at Sears at the outlet store. So I'm, I'm walking from Harbor Lights to the bus stop, and it's not a very nice neighborhood through there. It's Yes, it's a tough place. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very nice neighborhood. So, I mean, I was willing to do whatever it takes, you know. So I, I walked from Harbor Lights to the bus stop, rode the bus to work, back, walked back to Harbor Lights and did my did my meetings each day there. Man, and, and that place taught me a lot about myself and a lot about uh, the spirituality aspect of recovery. Um, some people it might not work, but for me it, it absolutely helped. I can't begin to tell you. I'm going to guess we have probably sent 1,200, maybe 1,300 people there. And just like you said, some of them will come out cussing and kicking about it. Yeah. Others go in that way and come out with a joy-filled life. I don't think it's the facility as much as the person. You know, we see celebrities go to a million-dollar place, and they come out and relapse. It's on the individual. It's not on those who are leading you through it. Yeah, and they, like I said, I, I loved it. It was a good program. What they did, I mean, they told you what you needed to hear, not what you want to hear. That's the way it's got to be. You know, and— uh, I took that direction and I ran with it and I applied it to my life and stayed in that transitional program on for about another month. And at the time, you know, like my wife had, she'd brought the kids up to see me for like the first time. And I'll never forget that moment. Like, you know, they ain't seen me in a while. And, you know, mom, mom was telling him, you know, dad's at the, dad's just up there getting well, you know, he's getting better. She didn't tell him, you know, Dad was struggling with substance use, and so she just told him, you know, I was sick and I was getting well. So they came up and seen me, and uh, I remember when I went into the cafeteria for my visit, my visit with them, and they seen Dad, and like nothing, nothing happened. You know, they come running full, you know. So I mean, I broke down in tears, you know, hugged my kids, and um, I told them, you know, it'd been how long since you had seen them? A few months. Okay. Okay. But, you know, they were used to seeing Dad, like, all the time. So and I told him, like, you know, I'm almost better. Like, I'm almost there. Like, I'll be home. And that was tough, you know, not leaving with him that day. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, you know, so I had to, you know, explain to him, like, I'm almost there, guys. You know, you know, stick with it, and I'll see you guys. And my wife at the time, she started – or not my wife at the time, but she started – you know, believing in me a little more, seeing the change. We talked a little bit, and she was like, you know, um, I got this got this house, and, you know, all the years of being with you, I've, we've never had sober you. So if you want to come home, we can give a sh you know, family a shot with sober you. We can give it a shot. So, you know, I ended up coming back to Rushville, and, you know, they talk about, like, you know, you got to change your people, places, and things, and that's the— truest thing you'll ever hear as simple as it sounds it's more difficult to do but until you do you're going to continue to fight oh, yeah. the battle right yeah and it's hard like yeah. if you're going around the same people that's using in the same place where it's being used at and 
Like, well, there are those who admire and respect you for stepping up. There are others who want to pull you back in the hole with them because oh, misery yeah. loves company. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, if they see a Timothy finding healing, hope, and recovery, it says to them they can do it. And they're not ready to hear that. They see the truth in someone like you rising above your past. Yeah, and, you know, I... I I dove head first, you know, when I got home from my recovery and I stayed plugged in. I wasn't going to let anything distract me from what I'm doing and what I want to do and where I'm trying to go. So, you know, I got real involved with our brand of hope and got, you know, I'm on Team Hope. I have been for oh, three years now or something. I, you know, I support like AA and NA and Celebrate Recovery, like nothing sure. against all them programs. They, no, no. A lot of them work for a lot of different Absolutely. people, you know. So. Um, I was I was able to just uh, you know take a little bit from each program and there's and it, simply no one path. No, oh yeah, that's, uh, there's no one size fits all to recovery. Unfortunately, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, folks, let me explain to you. Timothy's more than once mentioned a better life, Brianna's hope. We're a participant-driven, faith-based, compassion-filled support and recovery movement for those battling the battle with substance use disorder slash addiction. We have like 38 chapters in the state of Indiana, eight chapters in Ohio, one in Virginia. Should you be out there with a desire to find some place to connect with, we invite you to give us a try. Whether we're your first thought or your last chance, we don't care about that. We're going to treat you just as Timothy said he was treated. We're non-judgmental. We don't have the, the answers. We don't even know half the questions, but we will be there with you. You have that desire to move forward into treatment. We can help make that happen. Go to our website. It'll give you a breakdown of everything we're about, where chapters are located. It is ablbh.org. Or send us an email to podcast at ablbh.org. We'll answer your questions. We'll help you get hooked up. Timothy, go ahead and tell us where life is now. You had mentioned earlier that you're a peer recovery support specialist. That's probably not exactly right, but give us that label. It's, uh, and I feel so proud of myself. I'm, I, I got a career, and I got credentials after my name. I got business cards with my name and my credentials, and that makes me feel like a whole adult. So it's a CAPRC2. That's Certified Addictions Peer Recovery Coach Level 2. Okay. Tell the folks what that is, what that means. Well, at the at the cafe, we you know we take pride in ourselves that we're stigma free, judgment free zone. Uh, we just want to love people where they're at in their life. Uh, we don't get to make the decisions for them; they get to make the decisions. And uh, we offer uh, many different uh, resource resource referrals, whether that be for treatment, for you know housing, insurance, help getting the phone. We have a clothing closet for. You know, anybody might be experiencing homelessness. Um, we got shower available. Uh, we serve uh, we serve meals Fridays and Saturdays. We offer many different groups throughout the week. Whether that you know, we got an AA group. I just started up a men's open discussion group last night, and I told him, you know, this this ain't faith based. This ain't twelve step. This is just 
let's man, talk. Yeah, this is just men getting together and talking. So, and it was really well received. Um, and we do our Brianna Soap Saturday. Well, Frank does the Brianna Soap Saturday mornings there. There's a women's codependency group. We, we got all pathways to recovery groups. Uh, we, so how could, let's say there's somebody out there listening that wants to connect. How can they do that? Um, it's harmreductioncafe.org. Harmreductioncafe.org. I'm pretty sure that's and the And that'll the give them, you know, the website and to we're get on, the information. Yeah, we're on Facebook. If you just look up Connection Cafe, uh, we got a Facebook page and stuff there. But when I mean, we do, uh, you know, a harm reduction day on Thursdays, which, you know, is the Safer Syringe Exchange. And we uh, we got Narcan. We got Narcan training. So basically, you know, we're, we're helping stop the spread of infectious disease and reduce the harm caused upon people if they are still out there struggling. So we, we just want to love them, support them, and keep them. So- Keep them alive. Yeah. Though this is in Fayette County, yeah, it's not close to only Fayette County individuals. Anybody that shows up can get this help. Yeah, we is got, that right? Yeah, we got people from, you know, out of county that come and see us. Okay, okay. Uh, folks, if you don't know, the county seat of Fayette County is Connersville, Indiana. It wasn't too many years ago. It was a dark hole with drugs. And I'm not saying they are free of it now. I'm just saying they have become some type of recovery central, and they they do a bunch, and they would welcome. So, Timothy, is there anything you'd like to close with here, uh, anything you'd like to say to folks, or maybe even your wife, because it sounds to me like she's been through the ringer with you. She's faced her own hells, if you'll pardon the expression, but she hadn't let go. She took those vows seriously, for better or for worse. She, Like I said, she she's a saint. She's a good one. Um, all the prayers she prayed for me, uh, they were finally answered. And my, you know, God's time took a little little longer than probably what she would have liked but they come true and she told me like you proved that you can you know stay one year sober you can propose to me so i did that proposed to her we got married i's good today you know and if anybody out there you know if, if you're struggling with anything in life you know you don't have to do anything alone there are always people that are willing and you know ready to help believe in yourself there's a lot of people that believe in you you might not realize that but we all it's it's nice to have that cheer block in our section root us on recently just interviewed someone who has their own podcast it's called you're not alone Mm -hmm. and at the end of the podcast that was his closing statement just know you're not alone yeah and that's we need community. So uh, thank you for your time today. Yeah. Thank you for the drive over from hey, Rushville. Glad thank to be you here. for putting up with this inclement weather and <laughs> joining us and sharing your story yeah. for being vulnerable and real. We appreciate that a bunch. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. We'll continue to keep you in prayer and thought. Uh, thank you. Folks, we don't believe you've come this far to only come this far. Your answer, your healing. Your recovery may be just around the corner. Who knows? Maybe in our next episode with our next guest. Have faith in your recovery by having faith in yourself, your journey, and above all, God. Stay in the battle. God bless.